0: Hello, listeners, you are listening to I don't, I don't want to say listen twice. This is fucked up. <laughs> Hello, listeners. You are receiving through your earholes episode 12 of 8-minute movies Alienated, a podcast about the 1979 movie Alien in 8-minute chunks, presented by me, Kieran and him, Peter. Hello. Hello. By the way, I would have changed listeners rather than listening. <laughs> 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 There's no time for your notes now <laughs> How are you doing on this day, Peter? I'm doing alright, I have a little bit of a sore arm Because I had a flu jab yesterday Oh, baby Yeah Suck it up, it's better than having the flu It is. It is, it's really not too bad But it's a little bit sore And so I've decided not to practice the piano today you wouldn't impress the drum teacher from Whiplash with that sort of attitude. Oh, I don't want to practice the piano, I've got a sore arm. I don't know, I've never seen Whiplash. Nobody's seen Whiplash, it's just GIFs on the internet. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he makes him drum really hard and it's bad for him, that's... <laughs> well, I'm definitely not drumming. But he, become- but he becomes a good drummer. Hmm. Seems like he's got an unhealthy message. Yeah. <laughs> I think he becomes a good drummer. I don't know what the end. Maybe he dies. Um maybe he yeah. maybe he's forced to drum too greedily and too deep. Dies of bad arms. <laughs> um wow, yeah, no, no piano for you. Mm. Uh that's true. When I when I had my flu vaccine, I I I didn't play the piano the next day either. Well, yes, but <laughs> those two things are unrelated. <laughs> um I remember once when I was in an accident, and uh, my dad called me to make sure I was okay, and I was like, well, the doctor says I'll never be playing the piano again. He was like, what, why? And I was like, because I I couldn't before. Come on, keep up. (laughs) How are you? How am I? I am doing all right. Uh, Oh, this is our spooky Halloween episode. I mean, it's not really. We're recording this on Halloween, but you'll probably hear it in December. So (laughs) (laughs) Yes. the spookiest christmas of all Woo. i mean we're, we're talking about a horror film so it's always a little bit spooky yeah, yeah but this is the spookiest episode because well i cannot say oh that's a what's the aural equivalent of clickbait peter um when you say something and you're like do you, do you we'll we'll answer that question later in the program I don't know because you don't need to click; you just need to wait. So I guess it's wait bait. That <laughs> that doesn't sound right to me. I'm not happy with that. <laughs> I want you to come up with a better one before the end of the program, and uh, and we'll tell you listeners what it is at the end of the show. See, I did it again. I'm I'm really good at. It. We might not. I might not have anything. Well, well, don't 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 tell them that you're useless. Now they'll you just are. tune out. We can't write those checks. Have you heard this podcast? Uh, n- no, I try not to listen to it as much as possible. <laughs> I edit more or less at random. Um. Mm. <laughs>
1: well, I,
0: su- I suppose, um, I mean, it's become traditional to, to have a topic to talk about before we get into the film. And I, I suppose this time we are coming with the same topic gasp and we'll tell you what that is listeners later in the episode no no now it's it's right, now, right this, now the, yeah. this this is the point in the episode yeah. anyway. well um we have the same thing to talk about because we went outside to a thing yesterday wasn't oh yes that's right in in the real outside world in the world mm so um, we went for a rare excursion into the real world to go to the Ice Worlds Festival at, at the National Maritime Museum in Greenwich. Um, and I, I, th- I thought it was a great day out. Um, it was basically a chance to like, see and speak to people from the British Antarctic Survey, and um, they would talk to you about their work and what was going on, and um, show you science experiments involving melting ice cubes. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was really nice. Uh, there are lots of people there from from the Antarctic Survey, as as you know, as long time listeners will know. We have contacted them in the past. We 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 did we did look around for that person that poor person that we emailed last time, but but didn't find them. Yes, um, uh, <laughs> excuse me. <clears throat> it was uh, it was very interesting and. Uh, in in many ways what worrying because as as you learn uh when you're looking around exhibits by the british antarctic survey as you learn much of their work is involved with drawing graphs where things are looking increasingly grim things are going into the red (laughs) um and uh so there were a lot of those around because uh, obviously uh, a lot of their work is concerned with melting ice in the Antarctic <laughs> and uh, uh, predicting how that will happen and uh, uh, what maybe unpredictable effects or currently unpredictable effects of that might be. Uh, and uh, it's in in many ways grim. <laughs> yeah, I... I um... Uh, they showed us a mock-up of what London would look like if uh, sea waters rose by 50 meters, which is the absolute worst-case scenario. And uh, the positive thing about it is that it will probably lower house prices. Mm. Um, yes. Yeah. <laughs> we, we saw a, uh, a lecture on uh, ice core drilling, and uh, it came to quite a sobering end when um, they were just going through and asking the audience questions, and somebody was like, "What's what's the scariest thing you've found in an ice core? And they were like, evidence that the ice caps are melting faster and faster and if we don't do something about it now the human race will go extinct. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh boy. <laughs> yeah, the uh the sad thing is that I knew that that would be the answer. Um <laughs> I knew that the answer wasn't going to be oh just spider eggs lots and lots of spider eggs no it, it was going it was just going to be, yeah. the The most alarming thing that we've seen is our um, <laughs> uh, our Im- imminent doom <laughs> is man's hubris. Yeah, I um, I, ha- I had my fingers crossed for uh, the thing, but if they found that, they wouldn't tell you, would they? Mm, conspiracy. Mm. <laughs> you asked a question as well. Um, uh, Uh, early in the presentation you asked about um yes it was it was a fairly bland question i asked to get everyone talking because everyone was just sitting there without their hands up so i was like how deep how deep did you go with the ice drill ah so you did a a little bit of an icebreaker question which probably isn't (laughs) honestly helping the situation in antarctica yeah three and Um, a half kilometers yeah, three and a half kilometers. Which they um helpfully um just went back a few sl- slides and said, "Oh, here we we actually we showed you the answer to this question a couple of slides ago." So well, they, well, sk- they skipped over it. It wasn't like I was wasn't paying attention. <laughs> also, they didn't. It wasn't on that slide. That that slide was just showing you, like you know, uh, what the different thicknesses of ice were in Antarctica. So I'm going to edit this bit out so you don't sound smarter than me. <laughs> <laughs> No, I uh, no, I, I thought that you you might have just wanted to sneak in a little icebreaker question, and uh, after you did, lots of people did have different questions as well. Um, and uh, I like wow. to think of myself as the social lubricant. <laughs> Sorry, I don't even have a thing to say. To- <laughs> <laughs> wow, i I finally found how to shut you up. <laughs> Yeah, so they had had a lot of stuff um, there that you could do. Yeah, I I was most disappointed we couldn't get into any of the make-your-own-penguin-costume activities, but I think they looked at us and were like, you're both almost 40, and we're like, Mm. yes, indeed. But I still want to make my own penguin costume. Um. (laughs) Well, I mean, later on, when we were on our way out, they started announcing the start of the penguin parade, and the the radio kind of... uh, started cracking up, sort of breaking up. So you're only getting some of the message uh, in what seemed like the beginning of a kind of horror scenario where someone gets murdered by a lot of angry penguins. <laughs> we just cut outside and it's like a beak, a black and white beak rising, dripping with red blood. Um- <laughs> well, we saw that diagram of the, the larger extinct penguins. Oh, Christ. Okay, so they had a, they had a graph. Uh, that you could stand against to compare your height with penguins. And first of all, I didn't realise that emperor penguins are really big, like like sort of person size. They're like four four and a half feet tall. But yeah, um, <laughs> you you only really see them in comparison with other penguins in in film mostly, don't you? So uh, it makes sense that you don't really understand. The size as, of them, but it's even more of a nightmare. Like there are three extinct varieties of penguin, which are, are two meters tall. Jesus Christ! Like, I, I couldn't talk to a penguin two meters tall. It, it wants my wallet. You know, it's <laughs> <laughs> right. no. I, I mean, it's here to do crime. There's nothing else that exists that that stands in that way, right? Mm. So it's it's, it's a very strange thing to look at because you feel like it, if something like that approaches you, you, my instinct is to kind of introduce myself or <laughs> <laughs> doff my hat. <laughs> it's It's a very strange creature. Listeners, you should see him at a giraffe enclosure. Doesn't know what to do. Most giraffes don't stand on two legs, though. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the ones that do are considered very arrogant. I feel like their, their form factor is very different <laughs> to, to humans, but this is just like a, that just looks like a person in a penguin costume. <laughs> and of course, actually outside, they uh, had the RRS Sir David Attenborough, um, their f- new flagship boat, Um which of course has on board the um, unmanned submersible Boaty McBoatface. Yes, uh, which if you don't know the story, which you you might not, um, it was uh, there was a competition, an online sort of competition, a vote to name it, <laughs> uh, and so some someone put Boaty McBoatface because you can't put just an open to everyone survey on the internet and expect. That not to happen, <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, Bo- uh, Boaty McBoatface won by by a, a considerable amount, uh, but they decided, you know, may- may- maybe they can't name their flagship Boaty McBoatface, <laughs> so, so, so they went with the number two uh, winner uh, and just named one of the the little boats on board it, one of the little submersibles on board it, Boaty McBoatface. It won with one hundred and twenty-four thousand one hundred and nine votes. Yes. Um. The um. The top five suggestions. Um. Uh. Well, going from going from fifth to, uh, you know, in, in top of the pops order. Jesus Christ, the top of the pops, they even do that anymore. Um. Were well, a, a countdown. That's the word I don't remember. Countdowns. Uh, okay. So at number five, we've got. It's Bloody Cold Here, <laughs> <laughs> which I feel like is another one that would have got hand-waved away. Uh, the Sir David Attenborough at number four, the Henry Warsley at number three, Poppy Mai at number two, and then at number one, with uh, 33.5% of all of the votes, Boaty McBoatface. Mm. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh yeah so that that was uh, that that was there we went outside we took pictures we went to nando's i haven't nando'd for almost two years mm. a good time was had by all yeah no i i had a great time um and would heartily recommend you go except it was a three-day festival and it ended yesterday so you you can't you can't you just can't sorry that ship has sailed, literally. Probably at this point, that the, the ship has has sailed. Yep, it left Greenwich at seven fifty six this morning. Ah, yes, yeah, and and uh, sailed uh, away, presumably I, for the Arctic. I didn't even mean f- for that to be wordplay. I, I just, I, I just realised when I said it that the, the ship has literally sailed. Yeah, we we could tell from the way, from how awkward it was. That's fine. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, you don't have to make. You don't have yeah. to clarify. Uh, although it has given me ideas for the next one of those I go to, should there ever be like another sort of British Antarctic science um, exhibition. Uh, my, my two, my two go-to techniques now are uh, I'm going to go in there like as a climate change denier. Right. And, uh-huh. and, and, and like be very vocal about it. And then when I, when I speak to one of them, just be like, You've really turned my life around, and just just make them feel like you know they've (laughs) totally convinced me in one afternoon, just to sort of pep them up a bit. You know what I mean? Mm. Because it's it's a pretty tough job, and like you know, just I feel like doing that would really help them out. Um, or or maybe maybe not. I don't know. That one's on the back burner. Um, yeah. But but definitely definitely my next go to technique if I'm ever in a seminar situation where somewhere they're like, and now you can ask the presenter questions. Is I'm just going to go with really awkward and strange personal questions that are not related to the topic at hand like you know they like does anyone have any questions it's like oh, what's your favorite film uh, <laughs> yeah. um uh, what shoe size are you you know <laughs> yeah intrusive and strange and definitely not related to whatever's going on yeah i mean would, would they like it perhaps that their life outside of ice science <laughs> is getting acknowledged who knows um yeah, like I said to one of them at the time, I had a a colleague who was very sceptical about uh, the the sea level rise um, because they were demonstrating how um, uh, how land ice is much bigger contributor to sea level rise than uh, than sea ice, um, and this colleague of mine had uh, had said. I, I just don't really understand because so much of like icebergs and things are underneath the water, then what difference is it going to make anyway if that ice uh, melts? And I didn't really know at the time I had this conversation with a colleague that there was a difference between land ice and sea ice, uh, but I did think at the time, you know, probably... <laughs> I, I reckon the science probably thought of that. <laughs> If you write in to the British Antarctic Service and, uh, Survey and, uh, and uh, point that out, <laughs> I think they're not going to say, well, shit, I've wasted my life. What it, a fool you've made of us. Yeah, you, you've solved it. Great. Back to the, uh, let, let's reindustrialize everything. <laughs> let's, <laughs> we're we're fine, actually. the carbon actually. pumps. Yes. But, <laughs> I I do think, uh, I mean, like, awareness is very important, uh, obviously. Like, you know, one of the people we were speaking to there, a lovely person who took us through a couple of science experiments, was saying, you know, people think, you know, stuff happens in Antarctica, and Antarctica is literally, you know, half the world away from here but it affects everything we do like you know if if there's suddenly like you know a a ton of extra seawater then Mm -hmm. that's going to be real bad here living as we both do on a floodplain um (laughs) well it's it's just so big and people don't really know because it it just looks like this little thing at the bottom of the map there but it's just massive (laughs) I, I do feel sorry for them as well. Like, we, there's, there's a lot of ignorance—not necessarily willful ignorance—but just that we were we were uh, we were at a display of like fossils that have been recovered from Antarctica, mm. and um, there was a man who was sort of getting louder and more incredulous about them finding fossils in Antarctica. He's like, "Why don't they just sink?" And it's like, "Well, Antarctica." is a continent it's it's like it's rock it's got a rock base it just has ice on top of it it's not all ice it's not like a big old ice cube uh i believe the reason it doesn't sink is because of the backscatter effect i think Um, we we covered that in the uh (laughs) in in the thing podcasts Uh, he was so pleased with himself yesterday because he he (laughs) he just managed to stop himself from from going is it is it difficult to uh Measure the reflectivity of the uh, of the continent because of the backscatter effect. Um. <laughs> <laughs> I, wondered, I, I felt like bringing up that bullshit science reason <laughs> that they they bring up in the thing, which just doesn't exist. <laughs> uh, hang on, it, it might it might have a different name. It's just um, <laughs> we're we're assuming it's completely made up because if you Google the backscatter effect plus ice, there's nothing there. Yeah. Which uh, listeners is the extent of my research for anything in this podcast? Google Google the name of it and give up after a handful of minutes. It's just it, it's just a term that feels plausible. Mm. So, um, we we went to a thing about ice and we enjoyed it. It was good. Don't ding. fucking ding me. Don't ding me. You're not I'm, allowed to you know, ding. I am before the rules are explained. All of these count against you in the final scoring. <laughs> Many people assume that because. Uh, because i'm a participant in the game i can't be an impartial scorekeeper but um i assure you i can be um (laughs) (laughs) uh all right so um do we introduce the concept we've we've been we've been trying to get away from it (laughs) in every way possible should we break it here and now um Let's let I I tell you what the compromise is. Let's let, let's do a really quick summary. Let's not do the usual kind of full explanation of what's going on here. Let's just uh, catch people up who might want to go back and listen to the old uh, the older podcasts. How about that? Previously on the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, so this is a podcast uh, where we. Uh, watch films in eight minute chunks and we're doing alien at the moment and because we are most of the way through that film probably the best way to listen to this podcast is to go back and start from the beginning of the series uh, and uh, we'll explain the whole thing from there several times in each subsequent episode until you get to this point again Oh, boy, you can get to listen to us, like, awkwardly go through that at least 21 times. Um, <laughs> but no more. So now that you're caught up, welcome back. Remind me, uh, remind me after this to remove, uh, introduce the concept from my template for the uh, podcast notes. <laughs> otherwise, try. otherwise we'll come back up with this. <laughs> <laughs> Listeners, if we if we introduce the concept from here on in. um email us (laughs) and we'll disregard your email um (laughs) so wow okay cool awesome yeah podcast uh this is a bit of the podcast which is called let's not talk about alien all right what topic do you have for me today um i'm i'm did you notice i changed the title i don't know if you noticed uh, oh, you—you actually changed it because you previously called it. Let's not talk about the thing, even. Yeah, even, even though we're, though we're, we're not. I mean, it was—it was, it was literally—it was always literally true. We were not talking about the thing. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I want to talk to you about Tom Skerritt. Tell me who and why is Tom Skerritt. Um. Thomas Ray Scarrett, born August 25th, 1933, is an American actor who has appeared in more than 40 films and more than 200 television episodes since 1962. Wow. Hmm. He's known for his film roles in M.A.S.H., The Dead Zone, Top Gun, A River Runs Through It, and, of course, Alien. Um, He's also appeared in the TV shows... He's also appeared in the TV show Picket Fences, earning him a Primetime Emmy Award for Outstanding Lead Actor in a Drama Series in 1993. He was born in Detroit, Michigan, the youngest of three children, and after graduating from high school, served a four-year tour of duty in the United States Air Force as a classification specialist. I don't know what that is. Hmm. Uh, Scarrett made his film debut in War Hunt, produced by Terry Sanders, released in 1962. Other notable film appearances include M.A.S.H., *Harold and Maud, he's credited as M. Borman, uh, Ice Castles, Contact, Space Camp, Top Gun, and Captain Dallas in Alien. He was Halfway... in Space Camp. He was in Space Camp. Wow, wow, Peter, you've seen a film. I've seen that film. I'm There's so robot, proud of you. Go to space. Jinx and Max are friends. <laughs> Oh, oh, I just wanted to curb stomp that robot, honestly. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, the bit at the end of uh, Short Circuit 2 where they just smash him up, just that, but jinx. Mm. Uh, (laughs) Uh, I I too have seen Space Camp. That's one of the films that I've seen more than five times. Mm. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think we've spoken about that before. Yeah, I think I've... I I might have actually only seen it four times, so I don't know. Oh, shit. Uh, mm. Halfway through working on the film Ice Castles, he received the script for Alien, a film that at the time he understood was going to be an inexpensive film, perhaps two or three million dollars, with no director attached, and he turned it down. Uh, A month later, he got a call from Gordon Carroll telling him the budget had been increased to $12 million, and Ridley Scott was due to direct. Scarlett had seen The Duelists, which at the time was Ridley Scott's most recent film, and he was so impressed with the high production values that he took the job immediately. Mm. In a 2013 interview, he said he would thought, oh God, I'd love to mentor with this guy to watch him and see how he works. He said, I'm still a blue-collar kid off the streets of Detroit, so to have the gift of working on a film like Alien with Ridley Scott, just those two things were enough. Then I saw those massive sets at Shepperton, which at the time was the world's largest soundstage, and I thought, this is something special. It's got to be really impressive to be on a large set. Oh, yeah. I, I would have loved to have seen the Nostromo set because it it was made as a giant set like with all interconnected rooms, which is quite rare. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've always kind of wanted to visit a, like a really big set because mm. it seems like it would just be really immersive in a way that just a kind of room with a bunch of green screens in the background wouldn't be. You're going around a set for a TV show that you're very familiar with. It's actually quite a weird experience because you, um, uh, you know, you're, you're in the room and you're like, wow, this is the, the very room. And then you're like, there's no ceiling. Uh, there's no, there's no fourth wall. Um, and if I go through this door, there's nothing. There's like six inches of corridor. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that Hill Valley place from Back to the Future still exists somewhere. And you could just go there. Wow what like the movie the whole just that just that that square where the clock tower is wow um oh, that's quite impressive if there's anything to back that up <laughs> <laughs> i need to look that up <laughs> if it's <laughs> if it's not then you just seem like a madman i'm sure i saw someone say that they they've gone there recently yeah, it's just they don't, they, I'd just be surprised, they don't normally keep very large sets, obviously, because if you did that indefinitely, you'd um, run out of space, and it's not always necessarily, like, possible to know which films are going to be hugely popular, and uh, get those things stored so that people can enjoy them in the future. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's in uh, Universal Studios um, Hollywood. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, you can go there. Oh. I've wonder... been to Universal Studios Hollywood, but I don't remember going past that. I feel like that would be really vivid in <laughs> my memory if I had been past that. But and I'm pretty sure I did go on the backlot tour as well. And I can see the little the little tram things in this picture, mm. but I have no memory of seeing that clock tower. I uh I I went to Universal Studios um a uh, Hollywood while coincidentally in LA and uh, I arrived too late to go in so I just wandered around the outside a little bit sadly uh, ate ate a burger and then then went home (laughs) so I'm of no use here I don't know what's inside (laughs) introduce the game with the bells so yeah the reason that I rang a bell earlier Mm -hmm. is because quite incorrectly by the way correctly there's this has never been a rule before you're you're back writing this rule in you haven't sort of, it's not my fault if you haven't read the extended rule set like you know well you'll have to mail me a copy i will um this is a little game we play for no good reason if one of us says the word thing or things and we're not talking about the movie the thing we're not talking about the monster in that movie Uh, and we're not talking about this game that I'm describing right now, Uh, then the other person is allowed to ring a bell like this. Ding! And um, that means that the other person has transgressed, and (laughs) at the end of the podcast series, the person with the highest number of transgressions... uh, gets put in a uh, you know put in the stocks and uh, for 12 hours someone gets to throw tomatoes at them that, i hope i hope it's not, not me I don't, I don't like tomatoes i don't like tomatoes at all mm. that that's that's not true we we just don't even count it and then this whole thing was a waste of time there are also a bunch of other rules related to it and other words that we're not allowed to say, but um, the whole rules are um, very flexible and protean. Uh. <laughs> yeah. there's a, the, Look, put it this way. There's a bell. Sometimes we ring it to pass the time. That'll do. <laughs> Very, very infrequently, one of us will ring a bell, and the other person will become annoyed. That—that's all the rules you need. <laughs> right. Eventually, this is just going to the—the the rules of this are going to drift so far mm-hmm. that in a few podcasts' time, it's just—it's just, it's just going to be number wang, basically. <laughs> I you say that like it isn't that already. <laughs> oh God. Um. <laughs> Do you know? Do you know how many of my own exasperated sighs I have to cut out of this while I'm editing it? Because <laughs> <laughs> cause it's a fucking lot. Um... <laughs> all,
1: all right, right. all right. A bit of the podcast. Uh, uh,
0: oh fucking hell! It's time to do the podcast. I guess mm. uh, that's that's got to be the shortest digression sequence we've had for months. Uh, yeah, we, we. I don't know. Were you want really... you want to... <laughs> We were really going off the rails at some point. Do you want to do you want to talk about your uh, ingrowing toenail surgery or something? Like to <laughs> pad it out by another 25 minutes? Uh, no, no. I'm 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 good. Got nothing else to talk about that you'd want to listen to. Had um had any erotic dreams lately? Oh, several. <laughs> <laughs> but none that you want to commit to a recording. <laughs> mm. That's very sus. <laughs> Uh, um, performed any numinous works of art? Um, I, I'm not really for the performance art. Hmm. Uh, okay. Uh, what other questions can I ask you? Uh, ever broken a bone? No, never actually. Oh, had a tooth extracted? Uh, no, but I did go to the dentist last week. Had a filling. Oh, uh, um, pff. Uh enamel or um or amalgam? What? <laughs> is it I don't know. is it white or metal colored? It's white. Oh yeah. You have to pay extra for those on the NHS. Mm. Mm. It's uh it's like a trivial amount of money though. Hmm. Uh oh, God. Um how many pairs of shoes do you own? That are functional and usable probably at the moment, uh Two, yeah. I mean, functional. Not not any of those display shoes that you keep around just to freshen the place up, just to you know to store your potpourri in. Of course, I mean usable. <laughs> I I I'm more mean one. There there are shoes probably in the back of the cupboard that I technically own but would <laughs> never touch and might be no longer any good. Uh, all right, all right. Uh, when, was <sighs> when was the last time you saw a dog? Yesterday. Uh, yesterday yeah it was crying mm. it was weeping it wasn't dogs. crying dogs was. can't it, cry it was. it was it had tears on both sides of its uh, uh its little dog cheeks it was, were... a do- it was a dog that was going for a walk with its family and you think it was just like weeping yeah. in, <laughs> in horror look i i had quite a close look at that dog for a couple of minutes and it wasn't just a scar or a mark it was water running down from the corner of both of its eyes. <laughs> what do you think is going on in that dog's life, that it's got depression? <laughs> Look, I'm not saying it was sad. <laughs> I'm just saying it was weeping. Oh, God. Um. I, I Look it up, listeners. Dogs can't cry. They are genetically incapable of crying. All right. Well, then this dog's eyes were leaking. Oh, gross. Oh, that's medically very bad. Mm. Uh, uh, have you ever touched a vole? Don't think so. No, me neither. Um, you know, we could move on to the podcast. Yeah, all right. I feel like we've stalled enough. Um, right. Okay. Um, so with that... Uh, let's move on to the bit of the podcast where we do the actual podcast. I'm sorry we're so early this week, we haven't prepared. Mm. (laughs) Okay, you got who's infected? Maybe still Dallas. Ooh, Mm. we don't know on that front. What happens next? Ripley and others prepare for escape. Do they start the countdown? Yes! There's another (laughs) encounter with the alien. And finally, who dies next? Parker is singled out by the alien, cornered. And sliced, so do you feel you feel good about your answers to those questions? I think most of what I said there was pretty good. Hmm. okay, uh yeah I'm not inclined to disagree. There's a uh, couple of details that we might quibble, but that's basically what happened. I would yeah. say, well done, and we did get to the countdown just <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah let's let's talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, with that, it's time for us to enjoy Alien. You see, it's extra spooky because this is the Halloween episode. Ooh. <laughs> Stop trying to make this happen. Halloween in December. I was gonna say it's it's weird to be recording a podcast that is so temporally desynced. Um, <laughs> <laughs> because, we're, like. I've listened to some of the other episodes and we're like oh it's so hot and like the episode comes out in like December or January. <laughs> oh I'm sweating here in in the warmth of mid july <laughs> Yeah, we do try and build up a buffer of these episodes because uh, they, they take a while to edit and sometimes we're not available of a weekend mm. to re- record it and mm. so uh, so that that's that's why that happens um all right well now we're going to be covering one hour and 28 minutes to one hour and 36 minutes of alien uh this is a a watch along podcast so what you can do is just is just watch the movie in eight minute chunks and and listen to this at the same time it's perfectly acceptable no no the the opposite thing to that i've given up they don't listen to me why they they disrespect me to my very face man i I can't I can't make them. I can't make them comply with the podcast rules. If I did that, I would add stricter rules. Look, just as I said earlier, just go back, start from the beginning. Have had watched the film. That would mm. be ideal. Uh, or you can stagger. You could watch a bit of the film, listen to the podcast, watch a bit of the film, listen to the podcast. Not a recommended approach, but you, you can certainly try it. Or or you could load the podcast right into your i don't know like like media player and put it on shuffle and then watch every 8 minute chunk like shuffled as it comes out mm-hmm. with a, alongside our podcast and then see if it's a better film at the end i'm going to i'm going to put my money on it not being a better film well i think that that during the recording of the thing podcast, uh, I had an idea that you could, uh, you could reorder the film in the order that you liked the, um, the segments of the film from worst to best. So in theory, that means the film would just get better and better as it goes along. <laughs> so uh, you could try that as so often a massive divide between theory and practice. <laughs> yeah. Ripley tells Parker and Lambert to go and get all the coolant they can she'll get the shuttle ready so um i we've seen them a couple of times and i'm not sure if we've mentioned them before um but there are little icons over all the doors in in the Nostromo did you see them um i think you've mentioned them but uh mm. but i didn't notice them here so um Uh, It's a system called semiotic standard Developed by Ron Cobb for Alien Um, The full name of it is Semiotic standard for all commercial Transstellar utility lifter and heavy Element transport spacecraft It's too many words Or or the acronym Bad acronym Uh, And the icons indicate what can be found beyond that door. Now, now we're going to have a fun game where I'm going to show you that shot again, and you're going to tell me what's behind the door, what the three icons mean. Okay? God, I wish I was paying attention to these icons now. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. You won't be able to get uh, uh, one of them. I I reckon you could get two of them. Right? So so I'm I'm putting my cards on the table there. I reckon I reckon you could get two out of three of these. That's a lot of pressure. Go on. Okay. So take a look at those three symbols there. So on the left, we got um, a red-bordered plus like plus and a minus sign on a grey and white background. What do we think that is? I mean, the first thing that comes to mind is a battery. Right. Uh, I, I don't think you're going to get this one. Um, uh, i I'm- what, what what is it what else do batteries imply perhaps a generator mm, I'm afraid I'm not gonna give you this one uh because it's uh this one is for electronic systems um uh this one is astronic system I don't know what that means okay right so that that's the one I don't think you can get so uh what yeah. about the what about the next one uh, again we've got a red border with um well what do you think that is i mean it it sort of looks like a person hmm um so I'd maybe say it could be the, the 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 i can't remember what they call it in the fiction but where they're all kind of where they wake up that oh uh, the the, the hyper sleep chamber yeah uh, I'm f- afraid I can't give you that it's uh, it's pressure suit locker. Look at it it's a little space suit. Okay, it is a little spacesuit. Yeah, a I little can see little that space, yeah. yeah. And uh what what's that final one look like to you? I I'm, I'm going to give you a clue. It's not like cinema. <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's not it's not the ship's private theater. You ruined my joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, god. T- say your joke and if it's good I won't edit it out. All, all, all I wanted to say was, uh, well, that's um, uh, that's obviously where they um, edit the film footage. <laughs> um, uh, no, it looks like a ladder. I oh, so. brilliant! It's ladderway. Yes, excellent. Yes. One out of three. I like. I like to think I would have gotten uh, ladderway and uh, the spacesuit locker, but probably not Astronic system electronic. See, I think it's a good idea having this system of uh, icons and things around the place. But oh, yeah. I think um, I think what they would actually do is have that, but also some writing just underneath, maybe in smaller writing, to say what it actually was for. Ah, but we we've learned that the company doesn't especially value human lives, Peter. Oh, mm, I suppose so. Yeah, um, the semiotic standard stuff is. Has really struck a chord with uh, people over time, and like it, it or like adapted variants of so it often appear in uh, like other sci fi shows. Like, Moon uses uh, a variant of them. Hmm. Ripley runs into the shuttle and starts hitting switches to activate it. We see it light up from the outside. We see the protective outer covering retract. Inside, she keeps flipping switches we hear Parker and Lambert talking on the radio. Now, remember, we spoke about this before, the Shuttle, and how this is a tiny little CRT TV inside a giant model. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, it's like that. The, <laughs> the very direct way of doing compositing is to just not do any compositing. Instead, just put something on the set. Yeah, just have a little television. Ironically, now it would be a lot easier with, like, tiny. we've got tiny, like, high-def screens and stuff, but they would just use CGI. <laughs> yeah. Ripley hears a meow and realises she's forgotten about Jonesy. She runs out of the shuttle. Mm. It's an interesting sequence, this next uh, set of events. I have no memory of it whatsoever, <laughs> Um, even though I have seen this film a couple of times. This must be... I've usually seen it round your house and this must just be the point during the film where I my Tune attention <laughs> wanders and I just I uh, start looking at something else. Yeah, I find everyone acts like Ripley is a saint for going to rescue the cat, but she only remembers him when she hears him meowing here. So, um, you know, he wasn't like foremost in her mind. She's going to do the thing and he's it's like, oh shit, I've got to pick up the cat. Geez, like I'm—I I mean, I like cats a lot, but I feel like in that situation, even I would be—I've uh, definitely got bigger things to worry about than the cat. I—I uh, I like cats too. Uh, I own a cat, but I would buy a new cat on Earth. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would not be looking for that cat. What I would be doing is hope that the cat comes to me. <laughs> yeah i'd i'd stand i'd stand in the shuttle and go puspus push and then shut the door <laughs> yeah <laughs> sorry cats <laughs> oh does that make us bad people uh listeners if that makes us bad people write in i think that in a life or death situation you are allowed to value your own safety over that of a cat i i feel <laughs> that like that's true. Um, I don't want to discuss this further. I feel like I feel like people <laughs> I feel like people are going to be angry with us, and uh, and I love validation, so so let's move on. <laughs> Meanwhile, in the cargo space, Parker and Lambert push a cart along. Lambert climbs inside some sort of machine and starts pulling out canisters. So. I I really couldn't find any information about the thing that she goes into here. It looks a bit like a helicopter. Um, Yeah, I I don't know. There's a lot of very kind of bustly, fast shots in this bit of just people moving stuff around very quickly, and I I didn't really get a good sense of the space. Yeah, so we spoke about this area before. It's like uh, the claw room where the ship's legs retract up into when it's not landed. and I mean, we spoke about some of the other vehicles in here, like the little bulldozer with like tank treads and stuff all applied around it. Um, mm. But and they did get a lot of stuff from airplane graveyard, so I assume it's just the chassis of a helicopter or something right, that yeah. they've they've makes propped sense. in here. Yeah, I mean, it it makes sense to me. Um, it's it's probably some sort of advanced mining or digging vehicle or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but we can't find anything any more info. So so sorry to have wasted. 30 to 40 seconds of your life, listeners. Yeah. Parker starts stacking the canisters noisily. In in hindsight, it's probably them being so noisy that gets them. I might be jumping the gun there, but... It's the old trade-off, isn't it? You can do something quietly and slowly, or you can do it fast and noisily, Yeah, uh, which is the title of my sex tape. Um... I don't know, I, I'm in this situation I think I would be loud and noisy uh, fast and noisy sorry, yeah, just um, getting those pods out as quickly as possible Yeah, don't necessarily fault them but it, it might have been their downfall Remember they haven't uh, seen Mr. Alien for some time now They think he's, he's chilling in the vents uh, He's gonna be nearby, he's not gone out to space for a walk Close to the meat. <laughs> <laughs> Elsewhere, Ripley climbs, calling out for Jonesy. She gets his cat carrier out of a locker. I've got a note here that says this is the second time that that cat has put a member of the crew in mortal peril. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. And also, I, I feel like the whole framing of this next sequence is, is pretty interesting because you're switching between Parker and Lambert kind of bustling around very noisily while Ripley is in this very quiet scene being shown. There's a lot of shots that are happening here, which are uh, which one's the right word? Trucking, trucking, maybe, maybe that, maybe they're trucking. Yeah, yeah, they're trucking um, past uh, various uh, elements in the foreground. You know, it's like that classic kind of thing, like she's being watched. You know, mm. and yeah, I think that your know, expectation. As an audience watching this for the first time, is that she's going to get into some trouble? Yeah, Ripley's yeah. on her own, and if anyone's alone in a horror movie, you know what that means. And it's usually it's it's the silence that is very tense in, mm. in in this sort of situation, and the, yeah. there's a lot of kind of clattering, and it, and it kind of it the other situation for for whatever reason just feels safer. Um. It's a it's a nice sort of reversal of expectations, I suppose. Yeah, you're really right. Uh, um, absolutely, I would expect the people who are brightly lit um, and doing stuff loudly and quickly in a group would be the safer team. Yeah, and uh, we're going to quickly find out that that may not, in fact, be the case. Hmm. Um. Uh, I thought it was a nice touch that Jones has a kitten carrier and that she knows where it is because presumably someone's got to take him to the vet and everything so often when they're actually in space dock. Yeah. So uh, it's it's good that it's on board and she knows where to find it. Yeah. Uh, and here I have written the somewhat cowardly note, I would not go back for the cat. Yep, no, we've said it before, and we'll say it again. That cat would have been dead to us. (laughs) At least it would have been quick. (laughs) As we may find out later. Parker and Lambert move on, looking for more coolant. They separate to grab them faster. Oh, oh, come on, guys. I mean, Uh it's... It, it, it's a classic bad move, uh, oh. but uh, under the circumstances, you know, I, I feel like I understand it. I think people make worse decisions under intense pressure. Yeah. And this may this may prove to be their downfall. Would it have been fine if they were together, though? I don't know. Well, let's talk about that in a couple of moments. Hmm. Ripley stalks the corridors looking for Jonesy. She enters the bridge, still hearing Parker and Lambert on the radio. She moves around the bridge looking for him. Eventually, he jumps out, frightening her. Not the first time he's done that. (laughs) Little shit. Uh, I... It actually frightened me too while I was rewatching this, because I'd I like you had sort of tuned this bit of the movie out. And when he jumped, I jumped as well. And I was like, oh well, well done, almost 40 year old movie. You got me. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I didn't jump is because I had the v- the volume reasonably low. <laughs> uh how do you think they shot this? Sorry, how do you think they shot what specifically? Uh the whole cat jump scare sequence. I, I don't know. I didn't think about it. I can't even picture it right now. Um would you like me to show you it again? Yeah, go on then. Um let's have a look. Okay, uh, I don't know exactly. It it just looks like someone flung a cat out of a hole. <laughs> um much more scientific than that. So um how how they shot this bit with her wandering around and getting him. Uh they put the cat on the chair, right? And then they, they, they stroke the cat and they waited for him to fall asleep on the chair and get comfortable. Then Sigourney Weaver would approach Mm -hmm. and they would press a button, which made the hydraulics in the chair suddenly move, Mm -hmm. which, which frightened the cat and made him run away. (laughs) And, uh, and every time it happened, like they had to reset with a different cat. (laughs) Because obviously the cats are, are, are wary of the uh, <laughs> of the of the wiggling chair now, so uh, you have to go and get another one. How, um. Well, how many takes did it take them to to settle down a cat? Offhand, I don't know. But again, I think it's another of those examples of things in in movies where you're like, oh, that that two second shot that probably didn't take any time at all, when really it's like. Several hours of waiting for cats to be like, yeah, I'm comfy enough here. (laughs) (laughs) Just nod off. Don't care about these twelve people watching me with cameras. Uh, Yeah, got uh, got through so many cats. Oh, this one, (laughs) this one knows about the system now. (laughs) Uh, Have it incinerated. Uh, what's worse is you have to keep the cats separate from each other so they don't tell the other cats about <laughs> the chair. Like, oh, you, you never guess what happened up there in the control room. Like, what, what, what do they make you do? Well, you sit in this comfy chair, right? And you think it's fine. And you get a big spring up the arsehole. <laughs> Ripley picks him up, gives him a cuddle, and tosses him in his cat box. Doesn't, doesn't seem to be enjoying the cuddle, but, uh, you know... <laughs> When when do cats ever seem like they're enjoying something? You know, uh, you're only saying that as someone who's uh, got a cat that enjoys nothing. That's true. I I have a terrible cat, listeners. <laughs> um, I I have distant memories of owning nice cats. My cat is a dickhead. <laughs> yeah, my maybe that's uh, coloring. Maybe that's coloring my opinion of why I wouldn't rescue Jonesy. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I mean your cat is probably the cat that i know the best at the moment as well just because i i don't really know anyone else with cats and but the cat that i had uh, when i was growing up was was very friendly and liked to sit on laps and things and uh, and was 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 a bit of a softie. uh we we had to move the tv this morning and my cat is um still intensely distrusting of everything. She's running all over the house in a in a panic <laughs> mm. <laughs> because something has changed. Back on the lower decks, Lambert and Parker are still pulling coolant cylinders. Lambert is silhouetted in her torchlight. Behind her, something moves. Yeah, I couldn't quite tell whether this was uh, alien or not at this point. It's just a... It looks like an alive thing, but it's difficult to see the shape of it. Uh, I I think if you re-watch it more attentively, it's pretty clear it's the alien. Uh, There's lots of like rubber excrescences all over the place. Yeah, I tried to the second time, though, and I still couldn't quite make it out. Hang on. I think someone needs to draw a diagram (laughs) for me. Hang on, I'm just going to play that bit back privately to myself and see if I think I'm right or not. You might well be, but I, it's it's one of those things. I think that when when you know what you're looking for, when you know exactly what you're looking for, you can probably see it. But I, I all I can see is various limbs. Yeah, you you definitely see it, and you actually see the alien step into frame in the uh, in the left hand corner of the screen. Like you can see the corner of its jaw and its claw. Mm. So it's uh it's pretty obvious um, when you know what you're looking for, like you say. Lambert turns and realizes something is there. So, I, w- I want to destroy any mystique the film may have had at this point for you by showing you a deleted scene, right? Um, okay. Uh, it's a scene referred to as the infamous crab walk sequence, um, uh, <laughs> which I only found about quite recently. and I'm, I'm going to show it to you and... Um, See if you see if you could tell me why why you think they they took it out of the movie. Well, this is good cuz I feel like based on what you're saying that what you're about to show I me mean, might uh, tie into a comment I wrote down later. So let's have a little look. Here you go. Check that out. Right. Just a guy. So so yeah. So um it, it's a little deleted scene which starts with Lambert turns around and she sees the alien there and it and it like points its tail at her and that's creepy. And then at the end of the scene, like the alien rises in front of her like majestically and she cowers in horror. And in the middle, it scoots across the floor on its bum towards her. Like, <laughs> like, like I would do as a toddler when I ran around the house doing a weird crab walk. Um- <laughs> yeah, it looks... It looks like it's just been spotted in the middle of, like, taking a shit on the floor or something. <laughs> <laughs> it is it is the least dignified. Like, these are all the reasons this is a deleted scene, right? Because yeah. Ridley Scott looked at it and it was like, that's a man in a suit. That's a man in the suit doing a weird crab walk on all fours. <laughs> I mean, even the tentacle pointing at the beginning, it, it, it starts off well, but at the end of it, it just looks like it's hanging on a wire. That's because it's hanging on a wire. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, oh my god! It, like I'm so glad they they took the very correct decision to excise this little scene. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Search for "alien attacks Lambert" on YouTube, and you can probably find this scene for yourself if you want to. Oh boy, if you want to watch it. <laughs> yeah, and it does tie into something that I wrote down about this whole next sequence of events, which is that at this point, uh, and it's quite late on at the moment, so this is usually the point in these films where you you do get to see more of the the monster and you do see a little bit more of it, but it, it's still all close-ups and very much kind of implied things happening, but you don't see a whole lot, and I think it it's still better for it. Hmm. Yeah. Um, a, a golden rule for this sort of movie is, like, don't show the monsters. Like, you know, just because always what happens in your imagination is worse than what you can possibly see on the screen. Yeah. Um, Over explaining anything like takes away the horror always. Um, yeah. Which is why I'm one of the reasons I'm not keen on Prometheus and Alien Covenant. They explain too much about the aliens backstory. It stops mm-hmm. being, it stops having any sort of innate horror. I mean, cause it's just this, this scary thing you find in space and like, base is scary it's big there's stuff out there we don't know about um but no it it was just made by a dude it was made by a naughty android um aliens aliens invented by a naughty android yep that's that's the plot of covenant by the way if you haven't seen it peter i have not (laughs) i don't mind that that was spoiled (laughs) but yeah glad glad they didn't go with the crab walk um Lambert stares at the alien, horrified as Parker shouts when he realises she's in danger. Ripley hears them on the bridge. The alien rears up slowly in front of Lambert. Parker screams for her to get out of the way so he can use the flamethrower, but she's paralysed with fear. Parker runs at the alien from behind, but it whirls and lashes him out of the way with its tail. So, uh, Yafik Koto um had become so enamoured with the idea of his character surviving um that on set he'd started to pick fights with Balahi Badeo, the um the actor who was betraying the alien. <laughs> and um there are a number of stories about how this ended, um, so I don't really know what the truth is. Uh, but my personal favorite is um or, you know, he politely turned down the fights a number of times and then at one point just sort of pushed him. And, of course, because he's like seven foot tall, he's got quite a lot of push <laughs> to him. Uh, and then it never happened again. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh. um, so, y- I'm just reading ahead a little bit through your next series of notes, and uh, I, th- I feel like... You have a much better read of what's actually happening in this next sequence, really, of events than I do because I, all I kind of got from it, what even watching it twice is that there's a lot of screaming and mm. uh, and, and close ups of people's face, and I didn't really have a real. Clear idea of exactly what was happening. I don't even remember hearing the bit about the flamethrower. To be quite honest, uh, yeah. I mean, a lot of it is unclear and muddy, and yeah. like like close ups and fast cuts and things uh, to get across the urgency and the horror. I would guess. Yeah. Um. But I I have seen this movie more than five times. Uh, yeah. So so I. Oh. Uh, <sighs> conservative guess i would say it's got to be in the low thousands of times i've seen this film honestly <laughs> i wouldn't i would genuinely not be surprised if it was uh, like 1500 times that's a lot of times <laughs> and do you know what because it's halloween i plan to watch the movie in its entirety slightly later on this afternoon <laughs> 1501 <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, so so there's a lot of action, a lot of stuff happening, but I have been able to tease apart what's going on. The alien picks up the writhing Parker and pulls back its lips, baring its teeth. Uh, the rubbery lips here, of course, are made from condoms. Uh, <laughs> Neat, is nice, and real. Is that is that real fact? Nice and stretchy. Uh, okay. Why why wouldn't you use them? Um... Ripley rushes down a ladder with Jonesy and a flamethrower. Parker shouts for Lambert to run as the alien fires its inner jaw through his face. So um did you notice anything about this, this shot? I mean, I, I'm gonna say again, not particularly. I saw that the inner jaw thing fired, but it was hard it was very fast shot again, so it's hard to see exactly what was happening. So this this is in fact exactly the same shot as we see earlier when oh. Brett gets injured. Uh, we mentioned it at the time, but basically yeah. they just they just built a mechanism that fires um fires a, a hooked inner jaw through a wax forehead, <laughs> and um, it's got little hooks on the front to drag some of the gross brains outside. They're pig brains, of course. Yep, yeah, you you did mention that. Mm. I remember now. But they use the same the same head for Parker and Brett. We get a quick shot of Ripley running through the corridor. Uh the alien standing slowly approaches Lambert, moving its arms in patterns. So, it sort of looks like it's doing Tai Chi here, um, which they'd actually sent Balahi Badeo to do like some lessons on to sort of slow down his movements. And uh <laughs> It, d- it does just look like the alien is getting her ready for a bit of um, <laughs> a bit of tai chi. Yeah. Uh, but in a very threatening way. <laughs> it's really um, really everyone's posture that the alien is mainly concerned about. <laughs> well, it's got all those back spine things, you yeah. know, they've got to really really hurt its back. The alien's tail snakes in between her legs and she screams so like this bit has always led people to thinking there's like a, a sexual motivation here on behalf of the alien um and do you know do you know what i find funniest about that what do you find funniest about it uh those are actually harry dean stanton's legs okay uh, it's it's a shot reused from um earlier when brett was like being menaced by the alien, and you can tell because because um, he's got white trainers on, and um, Lambert doesn't. <laughs> uh, I mean, sure that 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 makes sense. There is another funny thing about this that we're going to get to later. Do you, do you, can you predict what it is? Uh, no. Okay, we'll we'll get to it later. Okay, cool. Oh, a um a weight bait. Nice, well done. Yeah, yeah good. Yeah, see, we it's established now. We, we that's that's the phrase hashtag callback um yeah uh, veronica cartwright was as surprised as anyone else that this happened because she hadn't seen a final cut of the movie and uh didn't know that they'd they'd edited this in so mm. that people were like what, what do you feel about this scene and she was like you you really would have to ask harry dean stanton because um because they're his legs <laughs> <laughs> oh dear we get a POV shot of Ripley running through the corridor as Lambert's screams echo through the ship. Ripley reaches the corridor junction and cautiously peers inside. We see Lambert's foot hanging, dripping with blood, and Parker's body curled up. So, okay. um... Oh, sorry. Go on, say tell, tell, tell your bit. Uh, so they actually suspended Veronica Cartwright on a meat hook here. Um, and got her swinging and dripping with blood, and there's there are other shots they took from other angles that make you know this whole thing more explicit what's happened but um they they didn't use them in the end just the the tight close up of the dripping foot um and so this is what I was going to mention it does sort of imply that the alien also made off with her trousers and shoes. <laughs> um which doesn't feel likely yeah. <laughs> I don't know because we just saw fully clothed uh, from the uh, from the waist down definitely trousers and shoes there even if it's not her actually her legs <laughs> um and um would the alien have taken the time to remove her shoes and trousers um may- maybe I mean maybe maybe it just really... Maybe that's what it's sad about. It can't get its feet into shoes. That's that's the, the subtle motivation for Alien throughout the whole thing, is it's trying to find a pair of shoes that fit. The whole plot of the film is that the Alien is just going clothes shopping. <laughs> well, uh, these, human, these cloaks of human flesh don't suit me, so uh, mm. may, maybe I'll try their shoes and pants. Oh, dear. Also I just want to uh, bring up here something about my predictions. Oh yeah. Uh, which is that I uh, although I didn't quite predict this turn of uh, turn of events here, I did earlier predict that these two would get killed together. I just didn't predict at what point. Yep. Uh, all right. There's no extra points for that, but fine. (laughs) I just want to say, I said they get killed together. Well well done, you remembered a thing. I I should reward you for having memories. But I won't. Um, (laughs) Ripley runs back through the ship and starts activating the emergency destruct system. She opens a hatch and follows the instructions inside, barely keeping herself together. And we have the good old alarm again that starts going off from earlier. So it's a pretty good emergency procedure for something that you definitely don't want to accidentally do. You know, like in Star Trek, you just say, oh, computer, start the self-destruct. And it's all like, all right, uh, you don't, I I feel like there should be extra steps. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a good system. Um, And I guess it, kind of illustrates especially with what just happens is that the difference really uh between ripley and everyone else is that while she is visibly shaken by the events she is still able to function and do Mm. things whereas everyone else in that last scene uh you know understandably but to their Detriment just kind of stood there and were horrified and died. Yeah, they um they make a number of poor decisions, I think. Um I I do feel sorry for Lambert, but I probably would have used the flamethrower on the alien anyway. Um do you reckon you could uh kill a close coworker and friend if um you know it came down to it being your life or theirs. Is this the sort of question we should be asking on this podcast? <laughs> At this point, hasn't the alien already killed Parker? No, no. So, um, so how that scene plays out, right? Is uh, Lambert is pulling cylinders out. Uh, the alien pops in behind her. She realises it sits there. She turns around. The alien rears up, and Parker shouts to her, "Get out of the way!" Like because you know he's got the flamethrower, but he can't use it because if he uses it, it'll kill her as well as the alien. Mm. Um, so, but she's. Paralyzed with fear, so she's looking at the alien and right. it's that reared up in front of her. And Parker, because he can't use the flamethrower, all he does is throw himself on it, so he runs up to it and it smashes him out of the way. It like he becomes the immediate threat, it kills him, mm. and then it turns back around and it kills Lambert. So I think in that situation I would probably have used the flamethrower. I'd have tried not to get Lambert, but um no guarantees. <laughs> I mean, I would have just hoped that the start of turning on the flamethrower would have spurred her to kind yeah. of snapping out of it and uh, and diving out the way or whatever. Yeah, maybe. yeah, I agree. I, I would have kind of been like, well, I like you, but this is on your own head. <laughs> I might have ch- tried to ch- yell some sort of warning that I'm going to do it. <laughs> The... Uh, he does he he does. He does. Uh it's just that she's yeah. captivated by its shiny face. <laughs> mm. Uh going back to the emergency procedure then. Um so in order to blow this ship up, you have to pull a handle, unscrew two bolts, pull four more handles, which open a hatch, where you type on a keyboard, then insert four screw plugs, pull up four tubes to expose four buttons, which you then press. Mm. That's that's like a lot of stuff to do, which is which is good in this situation i'm I'm all for our self-destruct systems being tricky to trigger by accident. I mean true, but on the other hand, if it's this kind of emergency, as you might argue it is right now, where there's some kind of time pressure. but I mean the emergency destruct system takes ten minutes to blow up the ship anyway, so you know you've got to have at least uh, at least that much time and a little bit more. I believe we are going to come to understand that every second counts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to steal a bit here from uh, that blog typeset in the future again, where they've done a detailed analysis of the emergency sign. Mm. Uh, and it turns out it's hand painted. You can tell there's because there's brush strokes on the word danger. Oh, okay. Uh, it includes instructions in English and French uh, and the French translations is somewhat poorly translated. <laughs> Because, of course, it predates Google Translate by some time. The instructions she follows are punch nuclear bolt code number one, verify bolt clamp release, perform insertion of bolt number one into hold number one, remove nuclear head, activate push button switch, replace nuclear head, verify secured, verify detonation activation, and repeat for holds two, three, and four. All right. So that that explains all that flipping and and prodding. I have watched it a number of times since reading that, and I still haven't quite figured out what the nuclear head is. Yeah, it also mentions about the uh, the ten minute timer, mm. and that after five minutes you you can't change your mind. <laughs> That's <laughs> true. <laughs> yes, the keyboard she's typing on also has a number of interesting buttons, including praniclift Lift Seven Seven Seven. Yoni, and a Garrick fly. Uh, what functions could these possibly have? <laughs> well, uh, when asked about it, the designer Simon Deering said that he needed some complex-sounding labels for the keyboard at very short notice, and he happened to be reading a New Age book which used terms derived from the Hindu concept of cyclical development, and he uh, reused the terms on the control panel. <laughs> of course, the basis uh, of which most future spacecraft are designed. Yeah, right. <laughs> Around which every ship must follow. It's just, uh, just interesting looking words. He was probably wasn't expecting someone to uh, freeze frame it in 4K and slowly <laughs> read the words. I've got to give another shout out to um, typeset in the future here because they took a number of different frames where Ripley's hand is in different positions and superimpose them so that you know you can see the whole keyboard at once. <laughs> uh, the things people will do in the future as she follows the steps mother announces that the emergency destruct system is now and um <laughs> and it cut off the last word but i'm go- i'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you peter the yeah. last word is activated the emergency destruct system is now activated and I'm gonna claim victory on the timer starting now, just because. <laughs> like, I feel like it's got to start on the word "now," right? <laughs> it's gotta- um, yeah, I I will, I will give it to you because the timer appears on the screen. Like for the last. 10 frames of this section of yeah. section of the movie and it starts counting down. So yeah, all right, on a technicality, you've got the timer. Well done. <laughs> well, the technicality is that it happens during this segment, as I predicted. <laughs> <laughs> I feel for like a third of a second, man. Come on. <laughs> I don't care, full points. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you had no no further justification for that. All right, fine. We'll let you off this once. And um, that brings us to the end of another eight-minute segment. Oh, boy, we are two-thirds of the way through the movie, Pete. Ooh. Mm. So, who's infected? With sticking with Dallas and me asking you this question, I guess. Well, yeah, we still don't know whether Dallas is just hanging around, having a lovely time somewhere on the ship. I'm going to enjoy it when we're into season 27 of this podcast and like every episode, I have to ask you a battalion of completely irrelevant questions. Mm. Uh, Peter, who do you think the nun is this week? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, whoopie Goldberg as usual. <laughs> and, uh, where is the ghost living now? Ah, <laughs> I'm afraid the ghost was fully busted. So, um, uh I think it's the episode after next where we're finally gonna get a little, uh, a little Dallas update. Let's put it that way. Okay, that's mm. good to know. Yeah, I feel like there is one coming. I just don't remember what form it takes. Yeah, I think I think you might be disappointed, but um, okay, we will find out, won't we? Hashtag weight bait. <laughs> There's. Something like there's something pretty sinister about it. I, I don't know. It's the fact that they rhyme like that. Hmm. I'm going to have to look it up on Urban Dictionary after this podcast and see whether I need to go back and edit every occurrence of it. <laughs> <laughs> what happens next, Pete? That's what we ask you at this point in the podcast. Well, um, I mean, I seem to recall that at some point something happens. I don't remember what happens. But something happens that means that the uh, self-destruct needs to be turned off again. So you think she goes through all that work to turn it on? Now she's got to turn it back off. I think she's got to turn it back off again. And if we're using real time logic, that has to happen in the next eight minutes because, as we saw, it's got a—it's five minutes before it's irreversible. Gasp! But. I also know that films take a few liberties with the timeline. <laughs> so whether it actually will be during <laughs> this next uh, eight-minute segment or not remains to be seen. Uh, I, In fact, because the timer starts pretty much exactly...
1: <laughs> at the beginning
0: of this next eight, eight segments, we will be able to very easily see how accurate, if it does indeed occur during the next segment, uh, the the timekeeping is on this uh, self-destruct cancel. That's a, that's a very interesting point. I, I look forward to doing it. Mm. So I think that that's on the cards, but I don't remember why it happens. I don't think that anyone else is dying at this point, so I think we're just going to be rapidly approaching the uh, the end here. Ripley is going to continue doing uh, things that she needs to do to get the escape thing ready, and um, is probably going to encounter some form of difficulty that means that she needs to cancel the uh, the countdown, but I, I, I don't know what it is. I'm sorry. Okay. So I, I think you answered it a little there, but uh, we've got that one final question before the final, final question. I should number these in my notes. Um, who who dies next? And I'll just remind you that the only people that we know, that we've seen who are still alive on the ship are uh, Ripley, Jonesy the Cat, and the alien. Yeah, well, I think the alien dies next. <gasps> Gasp! That's what I think. Wow, you uh you don't think Ripley's going to, you know, be bumped off by the thing? No, I think that both uh Ripley and Jonesy are going to make it. The alien is going to die, but not in this next 8 minutes. I I do think you should ding me for saying the thing there though. Oh, I didn't didn't clock it. Well, yep. and that's that's the game. That's No, go on. on I'll, I'll let you have it. Go on. Okay, all right. Ding. There you go. Thank you. I I, I felt like I deserved that. Right, I, uh, yeah, uh, fair, fair enough. I, th- that one was entirely on me. I knew it was coming, and I said it anyway. So mm-hmm. that that was actually the, you're actually doing a crime there. It wasn't an accident. Uh- you're doing a <laughs> a saying the word thing a crime. Well, yeah, but in the same sense that you know you might uh, see that the stove is hot while you're reaching for it and just not have time to stop yourself doing it. Ah, like, right, okay. Like you, it, it wasn't deeply premeditated. It wouldn't be premeditated thing crime. You you saw it coming in the sense of you'd already started the jump and then you'd remembered that you forgot to put the parachute on. Yes. Quite, quite, exactly, right. exactly. And with exactly the same impact. <laughs> yes. Well, the impact is later, I feel. <laughs> right. So the final, final question, not the third final question, um, we're two-thirds of the way through, Pete, and I know you said that all the bits of the movie you enjoy, you've previously seen. <laughs> yeah. So uh, so we know that you're just sort of freewheeling it through these final four episodes, but um, <laughs> what what are you thinking of the films? Is it all right now? <laughs> I think you're being a little harsh on on, <laughs> on it there. I, I do enjoy the rest of this film, it's just that I think its best bits uh, have happened. Uh, and Although that said, what I would say is that, given that I've seen this film a few times, and I just have almost no memory of this section uh, up to the point where the self-destruct sequence starts, I remember that a bit. Um, I think I've got to say that this is probably the most forgettable part of the the movie to me. Which is, mm. uh, it feels terrible to say, since two people die during it, but um, but I think. <laughs> uh, I think at this point, probably what my brain's doing is going, okay, yeah, we, we get what's going on now. There's bad alien. Uh, there, there was some sort of uh, thing to do with um, Ding, 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 yep, ding, got ding, it. Ding, yeah. ding, Yeah, I realized as soon as I said it, but not before. Premeditated yeah. thing crime. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um, uh, there was some sort of plan that the uh, uh that, that ash had uh but that's all been resolved and now it's all about the escape and so i think probably my brain is just marking time until that escape <laughs> is possible um i know just from memory that um that Ripley and Jonesy are the only survivors uh, of this, uh, and so I, I guess I'm just thinking, yeah, okay, hurry up, get to the escape now. Then, yes, those two have got to die. Just make it happen. Um, and I, uh, and although the sequence where they get attacked and uh, and die is fairly effective, I don't think it's really the most memorable in in the film by by a long shot so i think it just kind of w- washes over me a bit at this point <laughs> yeah you know that they're going to be uh narrowing down the cast to the final girl um yeah. and uh then the big countdown so it's it's all just a, a bit of a rush and then then you're ready to go and it's i don't want to belittle this sequence and i don't know you don't either like no. um but it would be interesting to get the perspective of someone who hasn't seen the film before mm. on this whole sequence because it like it must be horrifying and like very interesting to see for the first time. Uh it's just I think both of us are are over it from having had seen it a million times before. <laughs> well, not a million for me, but yeah, I get the point. Uh, mm. uh it's uh <laughs> you, know, you know you know where the real money shot is coming. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh You know, if we were to put all of these uh, segments in order so that the film gets better and better, as I outlined in my plan uh, uh, earlier, (laughs) I I think this would go probably near the beginning, if not in the beginning, and Hmm. would really be a dead giveaway about what's going on. (laughs) Oh, dear. Well, um, I guess all that words, what we done had had said just then. I'm an excellent podcast host. Hi, Amy. Um, Brings us to a swift conclusion of this episode of the podcast. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh boy. Only an hour and 40 minutes. This one. Jeez. That's like, Oof. Oh, that's like no time at all compared to our usual bullshit. I'm glad we've bucked the trend of each episode being just a little bit longer than the last one. <laughs> Look, I haven't been um, watching. let let me try that again. Uh, Look, I haven't been listening to these uh, podcasts, but they no do... One, no one is. No one is. <laughs> they do crop up on my YouTube recommendations uh, <laughs> when, when they are released. I um, occasionally listen to a little bit of one of them. And uh, the main thing I've been noticing is just the gradual creep of that time. <laughs> up and up <laughs> a little time. And then just there's one where it's just like a sudden... It jumps. It, there's a big jump. <laughs> by, so a, by an hour, yeah. I think it's... we've both had busy weeks. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, that's that's how it goes. We've realized that, um, that the introductions to this podcast have become a whole segment in itself. <laughs> and, and who are we to deny it? And they still haven't made them into my notes for the uh, the template layouts of the scripts. <laughs> yeah, and so um, to bring it all back around, you told me to remove the um, uh, that from your notes, your temp- from your template, the uh, description of how the podcast works. That's true. And I am reminding you right now. All right, r- remind me tomorrow. <laughs> no, I've done it. My duty is discharged. <laughs> Uh, I actually told you to come up with a better name for a weight bait, didn't I? Yeah, but you've used it like three times now. I didn't even use it myself. It was you. You've established it now. It's oh, it, uh... No, it's fine. It's fine. Now that you've come up with a better name, I'll go back and fix it in post. Mm. Tell us your better name now. I, I don't have one. It's just weight bait now. It's That's all it is. Because oh, it sounds um, quite like white bait, which is a sort of fish. Hmm. Hmm. Well, to be honest, I expected more from you, Peter. <laughs> uh, uh, I'm sorry I let you down, and uh, you can just uh, you, you'll just record the podcast on your own next time, I suppose. <laughs> Listeners, if you think uh, that Peter should have come up with something in all of this time, um, or you have a better name for weight bait, or indeed you want to ask us anything or say anything, you can email us at podcast at 8minutemovies.co.uk and uh, I can be found lurking in the dread corner of Twitter Kieran J. Walsh and he can be found at kestrel pi which is kestrel like the bird and pi like the irrational number used to calculate things about circles 2 pi r I can't remember what that is, listeners. If you know what two pi r is, write in. I think it might be. I think it I think is the circumference. Yeah, I, I was just about to say that. You, you cut me up, you little shit. I mean, I might be wrong. If I'm wrong, I'll uh, I'll edit this out. No, it is it's <laughs> the circumference. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> okay. Um, what do you say, Kestrel, like the bird? There are no other Kestrels. Um, just um, you know, there might be a person called kestrel and they spell it with an a at the end i don't know <laughs> oh boy okay listeners uh, as usual we're done with you um please have a lovely halloween evening and keep yourself spooky and safe Ooh you probably Stop listening to this in March. <laughs> not the Hallow- to anyone. I don't care if we're not if they're not listening to it at Halloween listeners. Cue this episode up next Halloween and listen to it. Right, that's that's an order. I, I'm giving you a direct command. Let us know if it's spookier to listen to it that way.
1: Mm. All right, ha- let's pull
0: the plug on this thing. crazy <laughs> Good- goodbye. That's goodbye. Right. Bye. Bye.